What is up, guys? Welcome to the Reborn Podcast. My name is Ashley Horner, and I have a guest today who has uh, been with me through a lot of highs and a lot of lows when it's came down to a lot of the athletic endeavors that I have done uh, from the 25-hour rows to the extremely long runs. Uh, He has been my physical therapist that has helped me not only leading up to the day of execution, but he has been there during these events. uh, And then he's also has seen me after the events on the road to recovery. Uh, And not only that is what I have learned with physical therapy. I used to think of physical therapy as you are just referred to a physical therapist after you have been injured. And, uh, but that's not the case. And it's really not the case anymore. I see Jake, uh, pretty regularly actually. And it's just to help with like, I do a lot of dry needling. I'm a huge advocate for dry needling and I'm always getting questions about dry needling and how I'm recovering. So I really wanted to bring Jake on, uh, to have a sit down talk and discussion, about just like the athlete's body and how we can recover all about dry needling. And what I love about Jake is uh, he is more than a doctor. He is a very, very smart businessman. I love how he has is building his brand uh, here in Virginia Beach and surrounding areas. And he is such a great leader and somebody who I really look up up to, uh, and I have consulted in him. And when it comes to just you know team building exercises and and business uh, endeavors, and and so it goes it goes a lot deeper than him just on the sidelines or you know helping me throughout the events of these crazy uh, endeavors. So I have seen been seeing Jake for I think we're we're gonna try to figure it out, but it's been more than four years, I think. Um, And uh, so I'm really excited to bring him on. Jake, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Reborn Podcast. I have a very special (laughs) guest here with me today, Jake. McCrow. Why is it so hard? I don't know, because I don't ever call you Dr. McCrow. Yeah. I just call you Jake. I've always known you by Jake. Okay. Well, yeah, whatever works. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I'm really excited to have Jake on the show today. Uh, I talk about him all the time and he doesn't even know. And I, I know that you guys oh. have heard me talk <laughs> about him all the time. Simply not a good thing. Yeah. Uh, it, Jake has treated a lot of my, um, I, I, some of them have been injuries. Some of them have just been, I don't know, wear and tear on the body from like all of yeah. the athletic endeavors that I've done. And uh, so I, I talk about dry needling a lot. Um, uh, there's so many, I'm like a huge advocate now of dry needling. Like if somebody, they're like, oh, I have this pain. I'm like, dry needling, yeah. you need dry needling. I think because it's, it's, it's always good, worked so well for me. It's, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, yeah I love it. Uh, people, so can, buy, people love it. Uh, we're going to start out. Uh, this is this is Jake's first time here on the show. And we're already in season three. Isn't that oh, crazy? Wow. Good for you, yeah. guys. Yeah, it's, crazy. it's wild and it's yeah. it's such an honor and uh, it's really cool just to be able to share with the audience yeah. just kind of like my journey and a lot of uh, a lot of the questions that we get and people want to know more about is recovery and I talk about um, I've talked about the times that there's been a couple times that I thought I've had to go in for surgery because 
I I didn't know what was wrong. And like, yeah. I would go and see other doctors and they would say, well, maybe we need to just, you know, open you up and see what's going on. And, yeah, and then I went and saw Jake. And Jake, Jake is like the miracle man. Oh, in man. fact, before I ever went to see I'm you. I get a lot of patience from this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, before, before I even went and saw you, I was, uh, I, I must've been somebody in the running community or something that I, um, that I, you know, I was telling them about my issues or whatever. And they said, Oh, you need to go see Jake. Like it was, it was just like a no brainer the way that they said it so confidently. No, they, you have to go that, see yeah. Jake. This sounds great. I'm, and it I'm wasn't really even like, that's this. why I don't even yeah. know your last name because yeah. it, nobody ever refers <laughs> yeah. to you. About, yeah, which that's, people, yeah. That is something that I love about you that, you know, you are, you're very, very real and like very relatable. Um, but since this is your first time, we're going to, we usually do a whiskey cocktail. We're just okay. going to take a straight shot. We're going to throw back it. a shot. Bam. This is our first shot together ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we're taking a, just a bullet bourbon shot, Bam. not the rye, just a regular cheers to that. And to the reborn podcast season three, that's bullet. Yeah. That's good. That's not bad. Yeah. Yeah, I usually, um, season one, we actually used to take shots every time before we would start the show. And then I was like, you know, maybe we should start sipping the whiskey and enjoying the whiskey a little bit. So yeah. then we started doing- <laughs> I haven't done um, a shot in a while. It's just, yeah, I'm a sipper. Yeah, because it could be like, I mean, I don't really think whiskey is meant to be taken as a shooter, like a shot. No, yeah. You're usually supposed to just kind of sip on it or put it in like as a mixer. But so then we started doing specialty whiskey cocktails and- um, but yeah, this was the first shot on the show that we've had since like season one. Well, so. I mean, we're, I <laughs> yeah. mean, we're like breaking some records. Today. I know. Like, yeah, I love it. Uh, so can you talk to the listeners, uh, and just kind of tell them your background story, your doctor of physical therapy Yeah, um, and you have a couple different practices yeah. here in the area. We are in Virginia beach. Virginia. Yeah. So it's, it's been a fun ride. I've been very, very blessed and have had some, some amazing experiences all along the way. But yeah, I, I'm actually from this area. I, um, Born and raised. Born and raised. Yeah, I went to um, yeah one of the high schools here, and um, and went to Virginia Tech for undergrad. Kind of long short. I got an exercise physiology degree, and then mm -hmm. came back to uh, Old Dominion for a um, degree in physical therapy, a doctorate in physical therapy, um, and worked in the community. Worked for a hospital system here for about uh, about five years, and during that time, just again continue to like overly develop my my skill sets and my specialty. Um, Did you always know that you wanted to be a physical therapist? Yeah, I, I, I'm one of the weird. I mean, you, you that, kind of look like a little bit of like an athlete, or like maybe you you used I, to be an athlete back in the day. I'm so. No, you I, are. I, athlete. You I get are that athletic. a lot. But I, I, I'm so like when when push comes to shove, I'm a terrible athlete. Like when it comes <laughs> really? to like really sports, oh, okay. you know. So like it's. Uh, but you're heavily into rock climbing and yeah, stuff yeah. now, bouldering. But but all mediocre <laughs> at <laughs> okay. a mediocre level. <laughs> I am like the head of meteor meteorocracy. I uh, yeah, I just I was never I, I enjoyed sports. But it was never like incredibly talented, uh, at least to the point to like go to college to do them. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, at the very least, maybe I can at least be the one who works the hardest in the room and, and train the hardest. Yeah. Um, so at the very least, if you're not the, the most talented, you can at least be the, the hardest working. And uh, I, I obviously, hopefully, that carried over to, to the rest of my, my life and career. Um, yeah. So. So you always knew that you wanted yeah, to be a physical I, therapist. I think early or in what? high school, um, my, I, I initially was thinking about being a physical or sorry, a, uh, I'm sorry, you saying physical therapist. So, uh, I was going to be an engineer. Oh, um, my dad was an engineer. I don't know. Maybe it's just was like, Hey, you're going to follow in your dad's footsteps. Yeah. And, um, and then I actually kind of worked for him for a couple summers and I was like, Hey, civil engineering actually seems terrible and not fun <laughs> kind at all. Of boring. <laughs> Very boring <laughs> yeah. and working in front of a computer. Uh, so I knew I want to go into healthcare. I knew I want to help people. Yeah. Um, actually knew I wanted to like 
like get an opportunity to serve and do some mission mm-hmm. work. Um, so, so I knew I want to get into healthcare and I want to do something that was like relational. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, um, playing sports again, not great at them, but at least playing them and, and working out. And I knew I want to do something that was, you know, exercise related. Do you think most physical therapists have some sort of background in sports to understand the, like, no. the body and uh, movement? Well, I, do, I, I would know. just I think that that'd be important. I mean, I don't know. I think the therapists that like work work at direct performance and you know our team, you know, I, I think that's the case, but not that's not always the, yeah. the case. And I think some people got here from maybe going through physical therapy. I think that's a, a story for most physical oh, therapists. Physical, they, they experienced it when they were in them. high school and helped mm-hmm. them, and they, they thought how great of a career it is. And that wasn't necessarily the case for me, but I remember taking anatomy in high school and really liked it. Um, so I, I went to college knowing I wanted to go in healthcare, and it was either that. And, or be a surgeon and I didn't want to go to school for that long. And I don't know, I just wanted like, I wanted something that was relational. Uh, so it kind of just seemed like the natural fit for me. Um, so kind of put my head down and I said, Hey, I'm going to be a physical therapist. I want to do it really well. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, push my, push forward. So let's, let's back up several years ago whenever you treated me and Jake is the only person that I will allow to treat me. And uh, I, I have like a massage therapist that I would go to sometimes, but other than that, um, like you're the only person I would I never. People who are just like you know, like oh man, I'm out of the office this week for vacation. Why don't you like see one while they're, 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 like, and they're just no. as, and they're just as amazing. Everyone on our team is, is yeah. so awesome. But you have, yeah. but you have, yeah, you when you build a relationship and you know the term we use is like therapeutic alliance. I think it's important, like as a as a doctor, to to build a relationship with your with your patient, mm-hmm. um, so they can trust you and you can talk um, through. And also from, you know, it's important for you as a as a therapist or as a doctor to kind of know the activity they're doing, knowing the yeah. sport, you know? So you want to go to someone who treats like at that time, ultra marathon runners yeah. and who experiences that. And you want someone to obviously tell you, Oh, it hurts. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to figure out someone who, who will give you a better answer or a better solution than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's just kind of fit that yeah. kind of connected that way. Whenever I went and saw Jake, we were trying before we, before we went live here, we, uh, we were trying to figure out how long ago it was. And Years. I want to say it was 2016, maybe 2017, because I had just ran the western border of Haiti, and it was fine. I went back to Haiti a month later, and I was just running with one of the kids at the, the orphanage, just doing like five miles. And then I went to go... It was our last day there. I went to go get on a plane and my ankle, it was my left ankle was just so swollen to where I, I couldn't even walk on it. It was the most bizarre thing because I didn't do anything. I didn't hey, walk into Haiti Jake's. Running Haiti is hard. It I mean, is I, I can actually speak yeah, on it. Yeah, you because know? you know Haiti. But it's. Uh, like everything. Yeah, the, the roads are, it's, it's gravel. It is it's paved, broken. It's not going to be well paved. Yeah, and you're, no. Yeah, it's, it's pretty gnarly. No. And, uh, you know, my ankle was swollen. I had seen before Jake was literally my last resort. Um, I had seen a, a foot doctor. They, I even did like x-rays and MRIs. Yeah, I think you saw an ortho before. And yeah. It was- and, and th- they couldn't really see anything that was the issue. And they wanted to set me up for just like a blind surgery. This is all before I went and saw Jake, um, my physical therapist. And they wanted to set me up for just a blind surgery. And I remember I was actually, I had to fly out to India because I was doing a hundred mile 
bike ride through Dubai. India, which I could actually cycle in my, it wouldn't bother my foot yeah, yeah. because of like the, the, you know, it was kind of like a neutral. I wasn't doing a lot of flexion and extension cause it was just right. like a, you know, like a easy ride. And, um, I was over in India and I was supposed to come back that Monday and have surgery on my foot. And I, I called while I was over in India. I was like, I just, I'm going to cancel the appointment because I just couldn't, the idea of like going into a surgery and I don't get injured easily. Like I feel like I'm a pretty healthy individual. Um, but just not, I didn't feel like that the surgeon was even confident and really knowing like why he was opening me up for. Yeah. It's, it's, I think when people think of physical therapy, sometimes they think, Oh, like I had a surgery. I need to go see a physical yeah. therapist afterwards. And you know, I've kind of specialized in our profession uh, is specializing in, no, we want to prevent surgeries yeah. and we can get the same outcomes as, as you know, short-term and, and definitely long-term without having the surgery. Yeah. Um, and I think we're just learning more about like, you know, you're more than just what your x-ray or MRI shows. And um, you, 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 there's a lot of function you can have despite having whatever, potential thing you see on your x-ray or MRI. Mm -hmm. And my, my pain, I have a pretty high threshold of pain and my pain, like whenever I would when try people to go say that, like you've had other people say that to you, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, do you believe them? Do you like not when someone says I, I think, have a high threshold well, of pain? Uh, I think it's, well, it has to be like kind of relevant. Okay. I yeah. just know because some people like, I don't, I don't know, like, uh, it'd be like either if I'm getting like a pressure point massage and the, you know, the therapist would be like, wow, I have like grown men who like cry on my table yeah. and you can like take the pain really well. But I think it's all like relative. Yeah, I, mean, you, I don't know. I can, I can concur that like you, you oh. are, you do have a good like pain tolerance. Yeah. I, I agree with that. And I think if like a woman says it, I typically agree with them. And if a guy says it, I typically don't agree. Disagree <laughs> with them. Like guys are like, you know, they just have to jump off the table. Yeah. Even if we're needling them, I'll be like, yeah. if, I, if I'm needling a, a female, patient i'll say like oh like it's just gonna feel weird yeah i need a guy i'm like it's gonna hurt a little bit <laughs> jump all over the place so it's like it's it's definitely there's definitely something there yeah so um and then when i so whenever i went and saw jake i uh i don't know if i even brought like my like my x-rays or my mris to you i don't remember it was so long so. ago but um I, like this was my first time ever meeting jake i had never even heard of dry needling prior to coming to see you. And I remember, I don't know if it was like the first time that I saw you or the second time that you, that was the first time I had ever gotten dry needling. And it was my, it was my left ankle, like my, I think you, it was yeah. my heel somewhere. area somewhere. And, uh, within, I think it was like two or three sessions of dry needling. I was running again, which prior to that, I couldn't even run like a quarter of a mile without. And whenever I would say, like I was talking about how my threshold of pain is like pretty high. Like I couldn't even, I couldn't even run at all. And I, it would literally, it would hurt so bad. I would start crying. But part of that was probably just cause it was like emotional. Cause I was like, I've never been hurt before. Well, yeah. Pain. And pain then is. I, I think for like athletes and, and individuals who are used to training every day. And then the moment you get an injury and you're, you're no longer able to move the way that you used to be able to move, I mean, that that is something to just like, sure. like mentally and emotionally as yeah. well. And I think that we were saying that, or saying before about how important it is to connect with the patient. Like I've been injured. I know what it's like when I can't train. It's not just the fact that I can't train. Yeah. It's the, the emotional and the psychological component mm -hmm. that's involved with that. And that also is gonna affect the pain response mm -hmm. and how your body reacts to pain and how sensitive it becomes or how guarded and protective it becomes. So these are very real things. And, you know, pain is a lot more than just like, the pain. It's it's all mm -hmm. the other components that you have to address and 
um, try to diagnose and, and, so and I, find I, a solution for. I talk about dry needling a lot, but I can never really explain it. Oh, can man. you talk? Yeah. Can you explain? It? I do, and even on like some of my podcasts before, I've talked about dry needling. I'm like, well, I don't know. I think it. Uh, this is what it does, but I know I'm probably not getting it as as good as like oh, you yeah. could explain no, it to I, the listeners. I'll, I'll try. I'll try and, my best. And I want to talk about like what is dry needling, and then who would be like a good component or like what type. I don't know, like. Is it, is it up to yeah, the so patient to Yeah, so I think it's important to, to realize, to like, like dry needling, I mean, it's a really effective modality that I use, but we want to integrate it and re reinforce it with other components. Mm -hmm. So we're using it to, to address maybe like a mechanical or, or a pathological issue. Or it's just like, again, it's, it's a great tool to help us reset some of a pain cycle. You know, it's a great way of telling the nerve not to be as guarded and protective. You know, like we were saying, when we're injured and we can't do something, that, that puts a wear on us. So the, the, the needling has kind of a multifactorial uh, utilizations. You've, um, you've had to dry needle my groin before. Do you remember that? I, it was after I climbed. <laughs> it was after I like that was so invasive. I, it was after I climbed some mountain, and I came back and like I couldn't even squat. Like I had like I would just I had no strength at all. I don't know if you. <laughs> I, I, I take groins out glad, of my head. Good. Actually, I'm yeah. glad that you don't remember. Yeah. That. No. When I'm needling but, stuff like needling glutes, and it's like I'm just I'm looking at it like the muscles. Yeah. Right. And it's just like you know, it's just it's I'm just thinking about like where the where you want to go and so, and, and, and those solve. of you who are trying to get. A visual, not of him dry needling my groin. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> just, yes. would just, not recommend that. Uh, just like so, it 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 they look like little needles, yeah, like so a sewing are, needle, right? Yeah, Is yeah, that what it looks like? I mean, they're they're they, or like acupuncture needle. Mm -hmm. They have nothing to do with acupuncture. You get. Um, like it's kind of asked a lot. So I guess, you know, to answer your question, like what is dry needling? First off, it's not acupuncture. You know, acupuncture is, they're going into specific points. Yeah. Um, like meridian points, I believe. And the idea is to align your, your chi. I don't know what that means. I'm not trained in it. Um, <laughs> I've never had acupuncture. If it sounds like something you're interested in, I mean, there's, you know, it helps people. Um, Acupuncture has been being used on the military to help with post-traumatic stress oh. syndrome. Um, it's just, it has potentially effect in the, in the psychological realm. Yeah. Uh, so I don't want to sit here and dog acupuncture by any stretch of means. Um, but we're we're using it from Western base, Western evidence science. Um, so actually, this this doctor, uh, Dr. Travell, she was. Uh, it's kind of a cool story. She was um, the physician for JFK. And I can't remember, but I know he had a bunch of like medical conditions and health conditions that he kind of kept away from the the, the public. Um, but he he needed like a physician, and she was like his guy, and she was a cardiologist by by trade. Mm -hmm. um, and she, you know, a lot of people know that like oh, like the heart refers down the left arm or refers pain. So she was like, oh well, like muscles refer pain, and they're like no one's actually treating muscle. Uh, so she started needling uh now she's putting like a drug with a needle mm. um and was finding like oh like if i needle this muscle it would refer here and it causes this pain and um and she kind of just innovated this 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 technique um so dry needling has been around for a, a while i think she did it like then? in the 60s or 70s wow. uh if i remember right and it just took you know maybe 30 years before it kind of caught on yeah. um so she was doing it maybe and maybe a handful at most of the people in, in the world were doing it I, for some reason, I thought it was a newer thing. It, it's gotten very popular, and like yeah. the the profession started doing it. Um, I, I guess I've been doing it for like twelve years now. Mm. I think that's you know I know I was one of the one of the first in the area doing it. There's some other people that have been doing it for a while, but mm. we also want to say, hey, like this is a technique that we can use on athletes, yeah, and not just you know, traditionally like oh, this is something we could use for chronic pain, and, and it, it can be used for for that. Mm. But I think there's 
obviously, as we're sitting here talking, there's a sports and orthopedic yeah. application to it. Um, but yeah, and then her, her partner came around and said, hey, it's not the drug you're putting into it. It's actually the needle. So they just started using needles, since the, the term the dry needle. Um, and what they're doing is putting the muscle, uh, putting the needle in, into a small part of the muscle that might be hyper irritated or locked up or stiff or, um, you know, sometimes we call those trigger points. Yeah. Um, and trigger points can affect the movement. They can cause pain with movement. Uh, they can refer pain. Uh, they can play a huge part in the pain response and, uh, throughout your body, um, that, that nerve can go talk to the spinal cord and talk to the brain. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's doing a lot of things. Um, so the idea is we put a needle kind of in a hyper irritable trigger point and tell the muscle to release, reset, kind of go back to normal, it makes the muscle normal. It gets blood flow to that area. Um, it tells the nerve to go back to normal, which is an important component. And that's why I think it's so effective because it has a way of telling the actual nerve that turns on that muscle mm-hmm. to start acting normal. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I can describe it as a, um, like a, a kink inside of a water hose. Yeah. You're trying to run water. You're trying to exercise and move, but you know, there's a kink in that. You can't move it properly. The water's not running perfectly. Um, so you can kind of unkink it with, with a needle. Um, so it can, can go back to its, its normal length, its normal tension, its normal firing patterns, yeah. and its normal, it, normal response to not guard and cause pain. So. What, what type of, in, is there like a specific type of injury that when people come in to see you, that you're like, oh, you could probably benefit from dry needling. Like if so, if somebody's listening to this and they they don't they can't they don't have the privilege yeah, to so, be able to see Jake himself oh, yeah. in the flesh, and and you know and they're you know maybe they're having like there, what about like shin other splints modalities, and stuff? Yeah, for sure. I mean, well, head to toe, you know, we use it from from headaches to plantar fasciitis. Oh, so oh, I mean, it's even it's, plantar fasciitis. It's used for. But a okay. countless number of, of things, but again, we're, we're using it to, uh, I think it comes down to how well you can kind of diagnose and yeah. assess it yeah. um, to know where, where you're doing it. I mean, I've had patients come to me who've been dry needled and they're like, okay, well, I had pain here. They've needled here and it didn't help. And it's like, well, because you, no one really looked at your movement. No one really looked at, mm-hmm. you know, and, and try to give you a better, like, I think the diagnosis is more important to give you a better game plan, an individual game plan to what you're going to treat. So, it, it can be used in a countless number of things. If you're in pain with movement, um, if you have a, a traditional diagnosis of shoulder pain, hip pain, back pain, yeah. um, or any type of like bursitis, uh, mm. headaches, uh, migraines. So yeah. the list is pretty long and pretty extensive, but it's, it's just a tool to kind of help reset the Are system. Are most physical therapists doing dry needling now? It's definitely getting more popular. Um, yeah, it's kind of wild. It's been a kind of wild ride to, to see what it's, how it's, developed yeah um, not for good bad and ugly um i've been very fortunate we're talking about the person who who created it yeah um dr travell like i got to train under the person who trained under dr travell wow and spend that time with him and, and with his colleagues to, to learn true. it no wonder you're the um, best well you know, he's the i mean like you stand on the shoulder of giants you know like it's yeah. i didn't i didn't come up with it and you find ways of different ways of uh, adding applications and maybe pushing it to the next level to to maximize your outcomes. And that's why we've done like the electrical stimulation with the needling. Um, So you're always trying to find what you can do to get the best outcomes for patients. But um, yeah, it's really, again, on the shoulder of giants. Yeah, but yeah, it is getting increasingly more popular. You know, some of that is, again, good and bad. You know, I think it's a a very effective tool, but... um, I think sometimes you can go in and just get needled and like you, you're missing the, the forest through the trees. Um, I think you can also, um, 
you know, if you're not really well trained in it, you are putting a needle on someone. There's, yeah. there's consequences yeah. if you're doing it wrong. I mean, I definitely like so, trust you. I feel um, like just because of all the work that you've done and I mean, time and time again, and you have been seeing me now regularly, I mean, for a while yeah. now because of so my I think it's shoulder. Asking people where they, you know, where they got their trained, how long they've been doing it. There's a lot can, of different. Can we talk about mobility and athletes Absolutely. And, and how important you think it is? Because if I, I am so bad at doing any type, because my life is like, I'm just so yeah. busy all the time. And so, I mean, even today, and I'm like, I'm sitting here and I'm like, really, I went out on a, five and a half mile trail run today with my dogs. And then we're stiff fasted. from that and then we're sitting and we're- yeah. Right. And it's like, I, I don't have time because like I was already kind of pushing the the cuff of like the amount of time that I had to run. It was like, okay, I better keep this at like oh, yeah. an eight minute mile pace or like I'm going to be late to my first meeting. I think a lot of times that, um, especially like working professionals and people even going to school and it's they're trying to fit in- to be like- yeah, I need so you how, to spend an hour of yeah, your life. It's can not, we talk about mobility and, and athletes or anybody who's like getting even more into lifting and how like realistically and, and on your professional opinion, how important it is? Um, so I think it's it's really important, but it's based on maybe the activity you're about to do. Okay. Um, so you want to have the fundamental mobility yeah. to do the tasks that you, the, that you want to do. Like say, for example, running. Your, your hips are going to extend past neutral, like past and run, be behind you. Do you do so you 45 have, minutes of mobility work every no, time you work out? Jake? Absolutely not. No, <laughs> no. I do, you know, 10 to 15 minutes okay. of warm up. All right. Um, personally, and that's because I'm getting a little bit older and I'm older, you know, like I'm, my mobility is not getting any better. Yeah. Um, I think you can complement your training uh, and cross train with a little bit of mobility. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if I think it's a little stuff that you can do in the beginning and end of a run, you know, five ten minutes of work, uh, just to, to ensure you have the adequate mobility and stability and, and the right firing patterns. Because if you don't have the the, the movement, you are reinforcing dysfunction. Mm-hmm. You're, you're reinforcing that, that compensation. Um, so if you if to run, you're supposed to have twenty degrees of dorsiflexion. If I don't have that. Um, and dorsiflexion is how much your ankle moves. Um, and mm. if you don't, if you can, if you don't have that, your body's going to find a way to reproduce that. It's going to find it in the midfoot. It's going to find it somewhere else, somewhere where the body's not meant to take it. And that's going to put right. more stress in that spot. That excessive stress over repetition, uh, even mildly, can potentially lead to um, injury. It's mm. definitely going to lead to a performance loss. Uh, your leaking performance yeah. is a way to kind of think about it. Uh, but it's also not important to try to get make someone hypermobile or hyperstable hyperstable so um part of it's based on the movement that you're doing that day you know if i'm going to warm up for my squats differently i'm not going to warm up before i run so i've heard uh i don't know if this is false or not but i've heard that you're not really supposed to stretch, stretch before yeah. squatting because you want to keep everything tight like a rubber band correct True if you don't um <sighs> So it, <laughs> I, it's not a true or false answer. Okay. Uh, it's always more complicated. Can you explain that though? Yeah, yeah. Because first of all, first of all, just so the listeners know, I am the absolute worst at warming up or even cooling down. Maybe I'll cool down at the end because I'm tired and I'll take a lap. But you, even but, if, but if you got under the bar and you're like, you're not starting with like your one rep max, right? right. So you're and I, like, I guess I, do, I don't. You're I do progressively, build up to that. Yeah, you right. build up to okay. it and that is a warm up, you know? So I think you want your, your warm up to be as functional to the activity you're about to do. Yeah. So if I'm if I'm squatting, yeah, I'm going to take yeah, some light usually, load. And, yeah, and, and, and I do build up to that. That is and true. And you're, you're fortunate enough too, like if you if you use it, you, you kind of maintain it. So you haven't really lost a ton of mobility or stability, which is encouraging. Some people have lost yeah. that. They have built up some compensations. So they need someone to 
they need to fix that. Mm-hmm. They need maybe mm-hmm. instead of doing five minutes of warm up, they might need to do ten or fifteen. But to answer your question about, you know, do we stretching before an activity has been shown to decrease performance. So we don't want someone to stretch, but we do want them to actively warm up, get blood flow to the muscle, so, and get which some, in, some, something. The movement should be more dynamic. Yeah, um, like building up to a heavier deadlift, yeah, or it, building up to a heavier squat or a bench, whatever that is. And if it's a runner, like I want their hamstrings to be a little bit tighter than my average person. Yeah, if it's a, um, a power lifter, like yeah. I want them to be a little bit tighter, but I, I want them to have the appropriate amount of right. mobility and stability for for that activity um, and a little bit of stiffness is okay as long as it's within a certain realm and that extra stiffness is going to protect is going to make sure things are firing properly um, so yeah we, we don't want we don't want people to be hypermobile unless that's required for their sport like gymnastics Does, otherwise um, hi, whenever you're hypermobile is that because you are putting yourself more at risk for injury or like hyperextending or yeah. what like why what are I try to describe like mobility as like a bell's curve if, yeah. if you, you know that so like I just want someone to be within one or two standard deviations of that belt curve. Do I have pretty yeah. good mobility? Yeah, so you're within that belt curve, you know? And if you're a little bit it. hypermobile, a little bit hypo, that's okay. Yeah. But it's it's um, it's when we start going a little bit too further away from that. Right. that we're, we're Again, we're, we're reinforcing dysfunction. We're putting compensations on things. Mm. So people who are hypermobile who move too much are, are going to be just as problematic at, at injury and leaking performance as, uh, you know, someone who, who is tight. Mm-hmm. So, you know, depending on the sport, depending on the squat, it's, you know, can you squat and, and have the form, you know, relatively sound? Otherwise, you're putting stress and you put load on it. You're just, you're putting load on top of dysfunction. Mm-hmm. But if you can, if you can squat with relatively normal mechanics, then load is going to only strengthen and reinforce you having proper mechanics. So the problem happens when we don't have the mobility and we, we're not addressing it. Um, if you have it, you know, it, it's a lot easier to maintain something than it is to gain or lose it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's it, like weight loss or anything else. Would you would you recommend then more so mobility work like after you do your training? So if I, you had to... I, no, like, I, I typically it, do it more like before. Before, okay. Um, but it, it's I mean, like the, I want to find the exercise that's right. The one or two exercises that are your biggest limitation or biggest deficit yeah. or restriction, whatever term you want to use. Mm-hmm. Like I want to find out for a patient, like, okay, this is your issue. Like, this is where your mobility is not where we want it to be. Yeah. Do this to get the mobility there. And then when load is the save on the word document, mm-hmm. um, back when we had to save documents. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so if I put load on it and if I get some newly gained range of motion, yeah. I want to put load on it to maintain that newly gained range of motion. Mm-hmm. So if you get it as a quick warm up and go, okay, and they say, I'm, I need to do a pull-up and I need to be able to take my arm up all the way. If I can only take a little bit, if I can get someone to get that motion back, now when they do the pull-up, they're going to have better mechanics or reinforcing mm-hmm. it properly. Mm-hmm. So you want to load the tissue as optimally in the right position as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then afterwards, you know, cool down is just, um, you know, if things are stiffing up, it's just getting the blood flow to, to continue. It's more about light exercise mm-hmm. as a cool down, just to make sure that um, things aren't going to st- overly stiffen up on you. That's more of a recovery component than a, I need to gain that motion. But if you want to gain the motion, you want to do it before the activity that you need that motion for. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, what's the point? So the couple times that I've came to see you, aside from the, the groined problem that I had when I was squatting, no, it was after I climbed with like a pack and then I just, and then I think I, biked up some crazy mountain in California. Anyways, um, 
I like both times my two biggest injuries that I had, one was for my ankle and then one was for my right shoulder, which you're still treating me. Um, now we're at, at like every two weeks I come yeah, to see almost, you, yeah, pretty much but I, I feel like every time I, I have came to see you, I just, I, I go in to see Jake and I'm like, I know I tore something. I know I'm going to have to go get surgery. And it's probably in my mind, like I'm panicking, right? Yeah. Because nobody wants to have surgery because then you're put out forever. And, um, both of those times, and, and this isn't at all giving any discredit to any of like this, the surgeons that specialize, but I feel like every time I've came to see you, you, you're so confident in what you do and being able to treat that. In fact, last time I remember, because I'm like, I'm like, Jake, you just need to tell me like, if you think I tore it or if like, like, do you think I should go get an arm MRI at this is talking about my shoulder? Um, should I like just go get surgery? And you, you were the one that told me you're like, well, we have to go. We, it's important that we go through all of these things. We try all these things and the exercises that we are doing together before we even approach a surgeon to be like, this is what we've tried and none of this has worked. Yeah. I or even like to get an MRI or whatever it was that sure. I was getting. I don't know. Yeah. MRI. If there's I've definitely had some freak say, out moments in Jake's yeah. office where I've came and I've been like, I done, well, I did it this time. And it, uh, this comes back to kind of what I was saying before, but and important for, for people hearing to understand, like, um, you want someone who's going to spend the time giving yeah. you a proper diagnosis right. and who spends the time looking at you. And I had a patient yesterday said, I saw an orthopedic. I, I just did four weeks of PT. And then I did my an initial evaluation. And she was like, no one took me through all these movements and did all this testing yeah. because the more tests you know, that you can get, the, the, the more accurate your, your answer can be for a person. So um, I don't think you're like, oh, if I have pain here, that doesn't automatically mean I have a labral tear and that means I need a surgery. Like I think right. you have to, you're more than just like your pain there. there. There's a more to it than just the, maybe the pathology, as we say, like yeah. inflammation and potential tear of a tissue. You want to figure out like the potential cause of it. And there's times for sure I've seen patients and go, yeah, I can't help you. You do need to go get MRI. You do need surgery. Yeah. But I think that comes down to knowing, just spending the time with the patient and getting a more thorough answer. And James Syriax, uh, He's, he's like, he's the godfather of orthopedics. Mm. Um, I'm trying to remember his quote. Where uh, is he out of? Oh, no, he's long, oh. long gone at this point. <laughs> but <laughs> he, has a, he has a quote. I don't want to like steal it. He's like, uh, only like a, a, a proper treatment is only going to occur when you have a consistent and, and reliable assessment. Mm -hmm. And he says it better than that. Um, but like, I, I think it's important to take the time and, and look at things from several different angles. Yeah. Um, how the body responds to pain, you know, doing several tests that tells us mm -hmm. with relatively accuracy, right. um, if something is damaged and potentially mm -hmm. how bad it's damaged. Um, so the good news is that we have a lot of tests that when we combine them, give some really good accuracy of, of what something is and what it isn't. Yeah. And also explaining that to a patient. I think a lot of times people come in and we don't spend enough time Telling the patient like, well, what, like, what do you want out of therapy? What do you yeah. think it is? This question I ask all my my patients on their, their first day, like, what do you think is going on? Right. Because I want them to know, like, I can tell them what I think is going yeah. on, but if I don't like confirm or deny what they think is going yeah. on, like, that's going to be in the back of their head, and right. they never got their answer. Yeah. Uh, questions answered. Well, even whenever I came in uh, to see you about my shoulder, we did a lot of like exploring type throughout my arm. I know, like, we did a lot of different things before. And then it was almost like whenever we hit that sweet spot and I was like, Oh, that like, I think that's it. And like, we started seeing improvement and then we just kept working that area, yeah. but it's, and it, and it's, it makes it like, 
it makes it fun for me because you're, you're problem solving throughout the entire yep. day and mm-hmm. you're, you're kind of always like doing this clinical problem solving and test and retest. And so a lot of times we'll, we'll, we'll do something on you and then we'll mm-hmm. like retest and go, is it better? Is it worse? Is it the same? If it's better, or honestly, even if it's worse, it gives me more information about like how yeah. to continue to treat you. So would you recommend athletes who aren't even necessarily um, like even like having an injury because I brought my son in cash. Uh, yeah. I, I think injury reduction and in, in yeah. performance. And you know, one of the initial reasons that uh, started direct performance was the hope to honestly, it, it was like, I remember seeing like a, um, a 14, 15 year old girl who had an ACL tear mm. and um, I just saw her form. It was so wonky. And I was like, man, if, if you like did a little bit of PT or like just if someone like helped you and just learn a couple exercises, like we, yeah. We may have prevented this. Right. You can't prevent every injury for sure. But like, I was, it was weighing on me. Like, hey, like, now that doesn't mean you're coming to PT for three times a week for 12 weeks. Yeah. You know, sometimes you come in once or twice. And right. You've, you've had issues and we get you in once and then you're, you're good. Yeah. Uh, you so, don't see me for a couple of weeks. Yeah. So I think months. it's, um, especially for an athlete who's trained a lot, I think it's important to kind of get in and but, but, do a but, tune but up. Dude, it's, it's no different even, like a dentist. Even you know? for me, whenever I started having some of the issues with my upper body, or, you know, and I started doing some of this, these crazy movements with the tactical games and stuff, and I was going so heavy. And there were things that even Jake, after watching my movements, that he was able to correct me. And I feel like I'm a pretty advanced lifter. Like I know my body, I can function well, I know the proper form and everything. But he was watching some of my movements and uh, moving with heavy weight. And he's like, Ashley, you got you to gotta stack your body better because you're rolling forward. Things that I wouldn't even know or see. And I think because of that, paired with the treatment that you've been giving me, it's uh, it's it's helped me as an athlete. Yeah, I think it's important. Like there's patients a lot of times and like, okay, well, again, to go back to your, your initial visit, like, well, what's your mechanism? Like what's actually causing it? And there's a lot of patients I've had before where, I've, I literally had them like, okay, show up 30 minutes early. Yeah. You're going to run on the treadmill for five miles because it bothers you at five miles. I want to see what's happening at five miles. Yeah. Or it bothers you squatting. You know, oh, I feel fine squatting until I hit 400 pounds. And most people will say, well, then don't squat 400 pounds. But yeah. you and I are obviously are built different. A, and different. a lot of other people are built different. You know, and, and We want to squat 400 yes, pounds. <laughs> absolutely. So, you know, you got to work them up and, and start seeing it. It's, it's crazy like what, what kind of breaks breaks down in those things. Yeah. But that kind of goes back to your durability of form. A mild compensation, it doesn't need, it only needs to be mild. A mobility restriction only needs to be mild when you put that much volume on your body uh, or that much stress or that much load. You know, mm-hmm. so I work, I'm fortunate enough to work with um, some weightlifters and it requires a ton of motor control and mobility to do like a snatch. Um, and you don't have to be um, you don't have to have a major compensation when you put 350, 400 pounds over your head. Yeah. When you're moving it really quickly, you know, a little restriction can, can play a big part in, in the, the the efficiency of your movement and potential injury, future mm-hmm. injury of, of move, uh, with that movement. As a doctor of physical therapy, what is it that you find that challenges you? Um, that's a great question. Um, what like where do you, where do you feel? Where, yeah, where I, do you feel I have it all figured out. I don't know what you're talking about. No, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you're, well, the profession is always moving forward. Like, do, you, do you ever see a patient and then, and then you, you know, you, you see the patient, you treat the patient, but then at, at night you're going to bed and you're just like, I just can't figure it out. Like what is going on? There is times that I like, no, I, like, well, I think part of it is we, we all test the patient and retest. Yeah. And if I don't see improvements, instead of spinning my wheel, I'm going to go, okay, I'm going to take a step back and reassess. Yeah. Did I miss something or did something that, 
you know, I was treating something that I thought was the the contributing mechanical limitation, but maybe there's something else. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to like test, retest. And we did this for your shoulder for full transparency. Yeah. The first couple of visits, I like it's problem solving. And you're like, okay, this is I felt like I it. was really bad because I couldn't really pinpoint where the pain was. It was the most bizarre thing because it like it hurt in my shoulder, but it was kind of like like in my back, like so, in my scapula, but like, like it was hard times. for me to communicate to you on this particular I know, I injury. I think most patients actually can, can, even when they don't feel like they're, they're sharing their information. Well, yeah. I think, I think you they receive are. it. Well, yeah, I think you, okay. yeah, cause you, I feel like I'm all over the place all no, the time. Well, well you are, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like, yeah, people are, are pretty good about describing their pain and no one understands their pain better than the actual patient. You know, sometimes people think like the doctor understands it more than you do. Like yeah. we don't feel it. You know, we've maybe been injured before and we felt something similar, but you know, it's not until you know, you're the one experiencing the pain. So it's, it's important to try to get as squeeze as much information out of the patient as possible and make them part of the, the process. Mm -hmm. um, so what is it that yeah, challenges you? you? Get, Wanna go, you're trying to get away from that question. I know. I, well, I get, look, I, you learn at a certain point in your career, like, you know, I appreciate you saying all these kind of words, but I don't fix everyone. Right. Um, and put some people are, maybe they are, unfortunately, need, need, need surgery and, I've been fortunate enough to actually catch people where they like, they've seen a bunch of people. And I said, no, no, no. Like I have a patient who I've seen and go, oh my God, like you need back surgeries quick. Oh. And we sent him to an MRI and he got like emergency surgery the next day and we prevented him from becoming a paraplegic. Wow. Like that's rewarding to me. I didn't fix them, but you caught it. So I think it's, sometimes it's frustrating when you maybe didn't catch it soon enough. Yeah. Um, but I think if you kind of, to me, trust a system of like, mm -hmm testing, retesting. And if you're mm -hmm. not seeing the results, then you have to refer them out. Mm -hmm. um, you, you, you try to give the patients information. And, and we said that for you. Like, look, if we're not going to make this better, then we will mm -hmm. get MRI. Then, but MRI means we're getting surgery. And we're getting surgery. You're out for you know months. And, I know. That's and why you, I've always been so, um, so scared of surgery. For sure. But yeah. I'm like, I'm like, and everybody and who's listening to this, they know like I'm a, I'm crazy. Like whenever I do these crazy things, like, and sometimes I'll do them and I, just being again like full transparency, I'll do these crazy feats, and it's not like I train up for it. So yeah, I think. That's, but I, and I'm putting myself out there for injury. I guess to, to officially answer your question, the, the term we use is like differential diagnosis. So maybe yeah. missing something, or you, you see something and you're like, oh, I think it's your biceps, and it turns out to be something completely different, or, yeah. or whatever. Maybe it's we see patients before are having shoulder pain, and, and maybe it's actually coming from their neck or mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, hip pain, and it's actually coming from their back. So um, it's just. But I think you get to a point where you're like, okay, I'm not seeing results. I'm going to try something different. Sometimes patients don't give you that luxury. You know, mm -hmm. okay, you didn't fix me in two visits. I'm quitting. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it takes a little bit longer, but I think most of the time it's you, you can get some really good results pretty darn quickly for patients. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's um, I don't know if there's like one particular, and I think there's always something more to learn. Yeah, you know, we we did a. Uh, Every month I get together with, with all my therapists and uh, we do like a lunch and learn and to work on our professional development. We had one just before I came over here oh, cool. and, you know, therapists were sharing with me like a research, they were asking me a question and I didn't really know the answer and the, another therapist did and we were talking about like what that means and how to implement it. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, something I've noticed in my career is a lot of people, this kind of goes for a lot of professions, but definitely in the healthcare realms, they kind of get stuck in their ways. Yeah. So, um, I'm, I just don't want to be that person. Yeah. Um, like I always want to continue to learn like cutting edge assessment or treatment or, or whatever it is. And you got to kind of keep your nose down and continue to read research and right. read evidence. So that's just part of it. 
making sure like I have time to do that with the family and everything else. Yeah, I want to I want to pivot just a little bit talking about how many how many therapists do you have that work with with you and your we have, team. We have mm-hmm. uh, it's a direct performance physical therapy has 12 total PTs right That's now. That's amazing. Yeah, it's and awesome. you have and how have many different locations team. now? Have, so four offices total. Yeah. So um, So I, I want to kind of like pivot and talk a little bit about the business side because you're still obviously you're treating patients. Yeah. And how, like, how do you, how do you, and, and, uh, you now have two little chicklets running around. Yeah. So, you got a six year old and a newborn. Yeah. Um, how, how do you find time, uh, keeping up with your profession and still giving your patients the time that they need? Um, and then also, I mean, you're, you're a leader, like you're branding direct performance. You have your entire, staff what is that what is your day like can you just talk about like a day in your life and you a train day in my life yeah. yeah if you guys should if you could see jake like he's in pretty good shape he, <laughs> he looks athletic rolled but he is not on his harley what do you have out there a is triumph no, no sorry no, no, not a harley yeah, no. but it's an awesome Super bike. amazing bike yeah so how do you like how do you it has to be like time management skills yeah, time management super important um yeah it's i mean a typical day for me is i'm, I'm up at like 5 30 i train from you know, 5.30 to 7, uh, 7 to 8 is get ready for work, help help get, uh, help get with the kids and play with the kids as much as I can. And, you know, it depends on the day, but, you know, I might, I might treat patients from like 8 to, 8 to 12.30 or so. And then the afternoon, I might have to work on running the business and the operations and the leadership and the, um, the coaching of the team. Yeah. Um, that being said, you know, I think we... We have some really great strategies. You on, handpick on, your staff oh, that yeah, comes in. Yeah, work. yeah, yeah we have a great team. So right, especially since you have so many different locations now, you have to know that they're living up to the you know the brand and image yeah, of yeah, like have, direct performance. Yeah, we have a mission statement, and, and that's something that's really important to me. And, and the the value and the the, um, the way we care for patients is, is you know super important to me. So you know, I want therapists who kind of buy into to our mission statement. Um, but you know. Steve Jobs has a great line. Uh, he's like, it, it, you don't hire great people to tell them what to do. You hire great people so they tell you what to do. Yeah. So honestly, we have great therapists and we just, you know, I try to learn from them and, and give them opportunities to be successful. Um, you know, I, I think I previously have been in a place where like, oh, I want to learn this and no one's there to like foster and support that. Yeah. So I try to find ways of, uh, we use a system called OKRs, but like we use a system to be like, hey, like how can I mentor you? How can I support you? Mm-hmm. And if you have a goal, like, Write it down so I know how to support that, and I find mm-hmm. ways to support my my therapist, and and you know at the same time you know they they kind of buy into our mission statement and they help out, um, and they they help us market as well, and we we yeah. want to reach out to the community. It's part market, it's part taking care of the community, yeah, uh, and doing screens, and and uh, we do a lot of grassroots um, marketing, as it were. So and honestly, I think word of mouth is is huge. I think if you give really good, if you can get better outcomes and you care for people really well, well I'm definitely telling everybody uh, about you. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's, I'm that's a huge advocate get. for everything that you're doing. So um, we, um, you know, drug performance kind of started as, um, you know, we was talking about the ACL patient, but you know, healthcare is, is not unfortunately about health or care. It's about productivity. Uh, mm. you know, it's like, you know, if you go to a lot of PT clinics, you're going to see a PT for 10 minutes. That's not enough time to do all the stuff we just talked about, needling and, and the assessment and the treatment and, and all that stuff. You How just, long do your sessions usually last? Yeah, typically, Sometimes do, I go in there, guys, and I'm like, Jake, you have me for 20 minutes. Let's make it yeah. quick. Or it hasn't ever been 20 minutes, but it's, you know, yeah, yeah. but we, there are you times. You to make around the, work around the patient. He's like, all right, I'm going to try to hurry here. But. I, I, I try to do like an hour for, for an evaluation. Yeah. I try to do you know, roughly 40 minutes for, for right. follow-ups. Uh, but I, yeah, that's one-on-one with, 
and we have do- all doctors of physical therapy. Um, so I think if you're with the same person for the most part, or the only with only one therapist, they're doctors, they're trained, they spend more time with you, longer appointment times, you're gonna get better outcomes. Mm-hmm. The research kind of shows that. And yeah, so we I think we just set our therapists up who who, who share that same value, same that yeah. share uh, the same. Uh, Are you ever gonna of, go online to do like like more? Like, you know, what if somebody who you know, what if they're up in like Montana and they're like, I want so, Jake to see me? Can you do any sort of like online yeah, assessments? I, I will tell or? you with COVID uh, has been an yeah. interesting transition for mm-hmm. us to, I, I, I've kind of been against, I kind of fought against telehealth. I never really particularly bought into right. it, but with, with COVID. Cause you like to physically see the person. Yeah, I want to put yeah. my hands on the person and talk to them and, and build that relationship with them in person. Yep. Um, but it's worked out really well. You know, I've treated, <laughs> I just treated a patient in uh, Dubai wow. <laughs> like last week. Or, <laughs> That's awesome. Was it Dubai? Yeah, I think it was Dubai. Uh, That's amazing. Yeah, so um, now previous patient, you know, from the States. Right, so you know the history and you've worked with them and stuff. Before you think I'm just like some international (laughs) PT. But um, yeah, I've treated people in, you know, Seattle and California and Kentucky. So um, it's given me the opportunity to like, you know, connect with with some patients that way. And um, so I think, yeah, I think that's a great opportunity. And, you know, conversely, you know, I think if you can get your, um, get yourself with, with a therapist who, you know, there's a lot of other like-minded, you know, caring therapists who, who kind of, uh, you know, who are sports-minded, mm-hmm. who, who have, you know, this general knowledge as, as well. So what what's next for Jake and direct performance? Yeah. I, um, what do you have in the works? Yeah, always, I, we, we have a lot of things in the, the works. Reasons, I'm not going to like yeah, say. So like, one of the reasons why I love Jake, too, is not only is he just an amazing doctor, but you have such a great business mind. I appreciate that. Yeah. And I didn't realize I I had it until I started a company. (laughs) I I mean, there's been times too that I I don't ever, uh, I don't ever like ask people like advice or like, we don't, I don't really talk business with a lot of people. I mean, there's been times that I've gone in to see you. I'm like, Hey Jake, okay, I need to like, what are you doing right now with your staff? It's fun to talk to other like small business owners and about like, Hey, like what works? And I love to like pick your brain because you are very smart and you, I feel like it's just easy for you. Well, I appreciate that. And it's something I'm actually probably like excited about. We're talking about like, you know, my profession's changed from uh, not just training, but like coaching and mentoring and just helping with the operations. And yeah. I've enjoyed that like transition of, of the company. I didn't, we started direct performance and shout out to my business partner, Steven. Uh, you know, so we, we uh, were very like-minded. I've never even seen Steven. He's always, is he even he's a never person? with me. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he is <okay. laughs> yeah, very much so. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, I think if you put the person first, whether it's a patient or, you know, I try to, or, or, or a therapist. Yeah. And um, I think if you really support them. Like your team. If you support your team, like they're going to support you. Yeah. And, um, so it's, I think, you know, I don't know if it's luck or skill or and all that stuff. I think it's just, you know, really supporting the people around you. You know, if you, if you care for your patient, right. I think we've been fortunate things have worked out. Um, you know, I've always said like in, in four years from now, if we have four or five more offices open and we're, we're, we're Four or five, it's gonna be like 10, 10 locations. Yeah, if we're sorry, if we're like, if we've added another five locations in four years, that'd be awesome. Um, if in the same, in four years from now, we haven't grown one therapist, but our therapists are really happy and we're giving really good outcomes, yeah. like, I'm gonna be happy as well. So, a lot of our growth is is investing in our uh, in our therapists yep. and uh, supporting them. Um, so I just really enjoy that. That's like, that's kind of my. That's good. That gets what gets me honestly most excited. Do you, do you ever just, do you ever close it down and go on like a staff retreat or anything? Are you gonna do we that? We do. Um, we do. I know. We have maybe one, last year. Maybe not. We do a few, of, no, no, we, uh, every quarter we we do like a 
uh, like a work event together. I'm most excited. A uh, work event? Yeah, like, like we all get to everyone. Like, for example, our, our well, we had- um, You had like a big baby shower We had a mixologist come oh. and like help us learn to make new drinks. Oh, cool. So we, had, we do that. Like, every quarter I try to do something fun with them. We have field day coming around the corner and then it's just like, uh, our, we get hyped about this. Dude, and it gets super need, if competitive. You need a, if you need a referee, I'll be your referee. Oh, dude, it gets, it's full <laughs> on. It is full on. So we, uh, like, we compete on a bunch of yard games and all sorts of like- "Quote unquote drinking games and like uh, we have we have uh, a, a great time. So we like have this whole point system. So field days around the corner. I think it's so important building a team and a successful business that you have to have a, a disconnect day where you take your entire team and you guys all go and do something like non work like work related but non work related. I think that that builds a, the camaraderie within Absolutely. the team um, and and it's needed. It's good to be around your coworkers and you know in like a non work environment. And one of the um, like one of my we're, we're talking about like hiring the right people. Yeah. So we want people who kind of share a passion, who um, you know want to care for the athletic population. But one of my criteria, Steve and I's criteria to, to hire someone is is always um, like, is this someone I want to like drink a beer with after yeah. work? Like if I get off work, any of my therapists, I would love to hang out right. with them. And you know, life gets in the way. We can't do that every day, but yeah. nor am I an alcoholic, but yeah. like, you know, like that's part of it. So I think it's hiring the right person and building the, the right um the right community, yeah. the, right, uh, the right culture. Right. So I've been, yeah, it's, it's super fun, you know? And I sit around and read a lot of books and you used to read books for, for years to learn about being a better PT. And now I'm like, oh, like, how do you build a better culture? Like, how do you that. how do you do that? And yeah, I, mean, I think that's, especially rewarding. now more than ever, I think it's it's so important. It's all about that culture. And I think yeah. more small businesses and uh, just even like large businesses and companies, it's all about building that culture. Yeah, and then absolutely. I believe like once you build that culture, you'll attract the right people. Totally, yeah. So um, I want to ask you one final question. Question. Okay. Uh, well, there's two questions. Um, <laughs> one, what is the what is the legacy that you want to leave behind? Oh man, that's a good one. So um, I do have an answer. At least part of it is. So part of direct uh, performance is there's a term called direct access. And you came and saw me. Like now, like hey, I'm in pain. You want to come and see me? Uh, you can do that. You know, we're doctors of physical therapy. That's not a thing that was around well forever. And it's not a thing that PTs were, were utilizing in any way, shape, or form. I think until we started direct performance. So, what do you mean? Like, the, you, they would, people have to be all referred? All of our patients were being referred from oh, a doctor. Okay. Whether they, they, they didn't need it, but that's yeah. just how they got to us. And to me, one of the things, um, the, the two reasons we started direct performance is A, we want to find a better way of caring for patients, mm -hmm. and B, we want to push the direct performance, excuse me, the direct access. Um, notch a couple, you know, a couple steps in the right direction. Seeing a therapist first, you can get faster, you get better faster, you know, yep. and you're going to save a ton of money. You can go to a doctor and the doctor gives you medicine. And then uh, that's a whole nother conversation. If I can stop that many people from not taking opioids and getting yeah. addicted to opioids, that's something that's really close to, to, to my, my family and my, my life. And then if I can, um, yeah, if I, if I can prevent like one person from getting addicted to, to pain-inducing drugs, and instead try to figure out the cause of it, right? That you know, that's what's what means a lot to me. But yeah, if I go to a doctor and then they go to an ortho, and the ortho orders this image, and now this has been a month, and now that pain is, you know, I could have fixed you in a month. I could have right. fixed you in two weeks. Yeah. Um. So you know, you can get people fixed a lot faster. Um. And that's just you know, a lot of our patients now are coming. A vast majority of our patients are direct access. So I want 
you know, uh, you know, I want to my gravestone to say like, you know, I, I push direct access, you know, one step forward and there's other people out there doing that. Uh, but it's something I think it's, it's really great. And I have really great relationships with, with orthopedic surgeons mm-hmm. and not to say I'm turning down referrals, but I'm just like, yeah. I think it's important that the relationship works both ways. Yeah. And I think it's important for people to a lot of times start with PT because there's so many good, so much good research to say like, Hey, this is where you start. Yep. And if you're not getting better, like there's other options. I'm glad that you said that because until I came to see you for my foot, um, the first time I like you and I ever met, it it wasn't because I was referred to go see a physical therapist. And I remember thinking whenever I called to make the appointment with you, I remember asking the person, whoever it was, or, or like, do I need to have a referral? And that's in my mind. That's just yeah. kind of what you're saying. I thought that's how it had and it to just have slowly been. changed that mind. So yes, yeah, people learn that and the more and more people share that, you know, there's, I think back when we started direct performance, if you said like, oh, I have back pain, I need to go see a physical therapist that's under it was at the time i don't know where it's at now but it was like under 10 percent mm. large percentage of that was hey i just need drugs for my yeah. back or an acupuncturist or chiro and all right. whatever yeah um and you know if i can make that percentage of pie grow a little bit for for, for our entire profession and mm-hmm. i've seen people who you know are starting little companies and, and kind of doing similar to what direct performance is doing and that's exciting you know, yeah that's um i love that it's pushing things in the right direction right um people can find you what is the social media um, yeah, so we're at Direct Performance PT uh-huh. as in physical therapy or our website's directperformancept.com. Right. And I want to plug too that on on your website, you have mobility stuff. We have a ton of stuff. Yeah. Like There's videos a lot of education. that you guys can get on and, and yeah. follow and kind of see what Direct yeah, Performance is about. Yeah, we have a about. ton of recovery yeah. on there. So yeah, I encourage people to um, just check out the website just for, for the content to, to learn. And we, we put a lot of good content Um we do a monthly newsletter. We do, um, we post some really good content on, on, uh, Instagram or I guess social as it mm-hmm, were. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, really excited about that. Okay. Um, I know I said like, that was my last question, but I, I want to just close and the people who are listening and maybe they're, they have an injury, like what, how long should they do their own like self mobility at home great. or like, like do their own salt baths own, like, yeah. you know, recovery at home before they're like, okay, maybe I need to go see a physical therapist. If you have pain for more than, I, I try to tell patients, if your pain is more than seven to 10 days, okay. you probably at that point need someone to kind All of right. take a look at it. It's normal to like, oh man, that hurts, but you know, I, I can shake it out mm-hmm, within seven mm-hmm. days. But if it's more than seven to 10 days, that's how long inflammation takes yep. to typically heal. So if it's still pain, then you're still doing something or the inflammation hasn't taken care of itself. And then you get chronic inflammation. So seven to 10 days, you know, around that like week and a half to two weeks part, it's, it's a great time to start with a therapist. The sooner you start with someone, the faster they can get you fixed. So if you wait two months, it's going to take a little bit longer than two weeks. Mm-hmm. So yeah, roughly the, the 10 day okay. mark. Cool. Well, you guys heard it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the Reborn podcast. If you guys, uh, if you're anywhere in the area, even like up in Richmond, it's definitely worth the uh, worth the drive and the time to come down and and make an appointment with Jake. If you can't get in with Jake, then all um, our therapists. Are, yeah, and awesome. I've yeah, seen really uh, there's a there's a couple other Richard therapists David that I've before, seen yeah. in his uh, office, and and even my boys have now started seeing with all yeah. their like sports and athletics that they're doing. So it's it's well worth it. It's it, you know you guys have to start investing in yourself especially if you think about the longevity of physical activity and you guys want to be moving and active for your entire life. This isn't just a short spot of time that, you know, you're, you're going to be like an ultra marathon runner or, you know, a weightlifter. Totally. Like you've got to think that this is, you want this to last like for your entire life. Yeah, one session to, and to get some exercises, to do a little mobility before you run or, or lift, yeah. like can, can go a long way for you. So, um, yeah, and it's, you know, it's kind of joke. It's, you know, no one's, no one's, 
telling you to, to marry a physical therapist, but I think it's important to come in and, and see what they can do for you yeah. uh, and give you give you the right content, give you the right information. Mm-hmm. Um, it can go a really long way. Cool. It's a really good uh, investment. Awesome. Well, you heard it from the man, Mr. Jake himself, and Dr. McQual. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Sweaty balls. You got it. <laughs> Sweaty balls. Uh, my name is Ashley Horner. Thank you guys so much for tuning in on the Reborn Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Reborn Podcast today. Make sure you do your due diligence. If you love this podcast, make sure you share it. Uh, If you're not following the Reborn Podcast on Instagram, you can do that. It's at RebornPod. If you have any questions or anything, you can email us, RebornPod at AshleyHorner.co, or you can shoot us a DM. Make sure you subscribe and uh, give us some feedback, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Mm -hmm.